You're listening to Over the Line on Galway Bay FM, the sporting sound of Galway. Our special guest this evening, a man who's no stranger to silverware, I'm delighted to say. It's a very warm welcome to two-time All-Ireland Camogie winning manager, as well as managing many other teams and an all-round, I suppose, Tony Ward, the best way I could describe you as a lover of sport. <laughs> Thank you, George. Can I jump in there for a second? What football team do you support in England? <laughs> I'm afraid I'm a Man United fan as well. <laughs> oh, they're, they're, de- they're definitely going to be going off there now. Yes, the ratings. Speaking of WhatsApp, 0863833553 if you want to get in touch at GBFM Sports on the Twitter machine or the X as they call it now. But um, feel free to give your comments. We will read out the best of them. But Tony, first of all, you're very welcome to the programme. And where does Tony, Tony Ward, everybody knows, Camogie, hurling manager, whatever. Where does Tony Ward come from? Uh, I suppose New England, Sarsfields, it'd be... Sarsfields is my club Sarsfields the, as the saying goes the blood is green the green is Sarsfields and uh, you know it's always been you know went to school in, in national school in Bolan and secondary school in Ewain so I've never kind of gone far away from the parish but it is a parish a community that's steeped in hurling um, we've had many guests in here from the name Sarsfields just registers out as hurling country but also a great club a marvellous community in that area and I would there say in your youth you would be very young when you first of all ventured to the hurling field Oh yeah look at um, I suppose back when when back I suppose the first series competition in my time would be under 14 and uh, I think we got to a county semi-final against Lockray my brother Patsy was was um, was a selector at the time on the sideline you know and but the semi-final was played in Ewin. It was a kind of a home and away at that time, and and um, Lockray beat us in extra time. I think one-one uh, to a goal or something like that in extra time. You know, but it was, you know, that that was that was our Crow Park that time, and it was. Know. And you speak about under fourteen being your first, we'll say, competitive. And yeah. nowadays we see the wonderful um, organisation in the GA. That the cool camps which I think are wonderful to introduce people to the sport maybe people that are not interested in Gaelic football or hurling or camogie ladies football but in that day it was the school I would think that would have introduced you to the game first Oh definitely uh, Father McNamara Frank, the late Frank Corcoran and Bullan you know they, they, they were the people that 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 really drove hurling in our end of the parish, we'll say, the, then, and down in New Inn, then you had David McGann, you know, driving it in the National School in New Inn. So, you know, they were great people involved at the time, and I often remember either Frank Corcoran or Father McNamara bringing the whole team, in the Nineside team, to a game, you know, in the, in the care, because cares weren't that plentiful that time. And, you know, it, they were just great people, like, you know, and, and they drove the hurling, and I suppose we reaped the rewards of their, of their interest and their drive, from 1880, 89, 92, 93 and on into the 90s, you know, all the all the guys that played in, you know, all had some connection with them as they were growing up, you know. I, I laugh at that, Darren, because 8 and 9 in a car, the whole team going in a car, that's just the way it was. Oh yeah, that's that's the way it was, and but, you know, so different to nowadays. Like where you, if unless <laughs> unless the child is related to you, you can't put them in the front seat now. Not to mind going one time, there could be four in the front seat, you know. Mm. And, th- and that's just the way it was at the time, and and we loved it. Like and it was an excuse to get out of school as well, which was another way of looking at it. But um, you know, them 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 people did an awful lot for for hurling in Sarsfields, you know. It, that was like the way of bonding as a child as well, Tony. Because even as George said, there it's hurling Camogie country down there. I don't know anybody in the parish that would 
shouldn't be involved in one of the games in some shape or form as well. And as you said, stand, uh, starting out, playing it under 40, no doubt you're pucking it in the garden beforehand there as well. Sure, all you really knew as a hobby down that neck of the woods would be hurling. Oh yeah, sure. It's it's just hurling. Like say, I second youngest in the family, a family of nine. Like and you know, every Sunday was getting into the to to Petsy's Volkswagen or Willie's Morris Minor and heading off to a game and watching them playing. You know, Michael, Willie, and Petsy. You know, watching them playing games and and that was our you know thrill for the week. You know, we look forward to it from one end of the week to the other. Just getting to a game and and you know that was brilliant. Like you were at about fourteen you played your first competitive games and I don't think at the time the emphasis wouldn't be as much on people winning championships there was no there was every grade there was only the one grade that one would think at the time but it was just a natural progression that you, you were out there and you were playing it was how many games you got to play you played if you won marvellous but it was all about taking part at the time oh yeah it was about taking part but look at <coughs> that rivalry was still there you know Calimer Daly were very strong and under 14 that time like I think they did 7 in a row around them times you know and, and you know that was phenomenal like and I suppose they were the team we all tried to to reach and, and you know get 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 you know get to their standard Frank Burke over in, in Rafford like had done an awful lot for, for hurling over there and I suppose we were kind of trying to get to their grade at under 14 level especially you know it is it's something I think that's um you get to notice when you're talking to people about underage sport, irrespective of the code in, in, in Gaelic games, especially football and hurling, ladies football, camogie. But there's always an era where a certain parish produces that golden group of players, as you say, Kilimer Daly. And everybody around that area and further afield, that's what we want to be like. So how do we get there? And it, I think, whilst people can say at times that domination is a bad thing. We see it currently senior where Thomas is a rule the roost. But it's up to everybody else to try and get to that level and it also gives each club something to work on. Yeah, and, and you know, family in, in fa- gr- you know, groups of families, you just mentioned Thomas is there, like when you look at like it's 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 a few families really, like and when we were going well in the nineties and eighties and nineties with Sarsfields, like it it was the Coonies, the McGraths, the Kellys, the Kinneys, you know, it, it was families again and you know, you you were at home in your in your own yard and, and you were beating the heads of one another, but when you went out on a Sunday representing your club like every one of them had your back and, and you know, that was the that was brilliant at the time, you know. You mentioned O'Kalimer Daly there as well, and of course, Sarsfields had won the county championship in 1980. Kalimer uh, Daly, obviously, 85 years gro- growing through. No doubt they were motivation as well as you were getting older, like when you're moving towards the adult level as well. You knew you were competitive, you were always there or thereabouts, but I suppose it was getting over that line and taking advantage of the spoils when you had your moment. Yeah, I suppose when, when John McIntyre came to Sarsfields in, in 89, I suppose he brought a you know, he brought it to another level of professionalism and, and we were lucky with the group of lads we had, like, you know, when you talk about Joe Cooney, Michael McGrath, Harry Kelly, you know, they were, you know, serious hurlers, like, at the time and, and to have them all in the one group and coming at the one time, Tommy Kinney, goalies, you know, like, it it was just amazing and as you say, Darren, when we did make the breakthrough, you'd be kind of wondering to yourself, how did it take us so long? And, you know, when we did, it kind of, I won't say it got easier, but... You know, we had some brilliant people over us. Like Mike Keneally is 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 a guy out there. Like he was manager for for 
our good times we'll say and you know he's a guy that I, I kind of model my management years on as well because he, I suppose his big thing was getting the respect of the players and he did that and, and even to this day Big Mike as we call him has the respect of everybody in the parish you know You mentioned John McIntyre there and I just remember we'll talk to Moki later on no doubt but I just remember a story you told back when the, uh, the All-Ireland celebration in 2013 about first impressions of John McIntyre in the very first training session and you were wondering what you'd let yourselves in for a night before 1989 Yeah it was a funny night we were we were um, there was actually about three or four inches of snow on the pitch out in New Inn and, and we were just sitting in the dressing room um, you know kind of wondering is he just going to come and talk to us tonight or you know will he take us out in the field or what's going to happen so we were sitting there and none of us were talking out and the next thing this this um, Nissan Bluebird pulls in and this guy is nearly togged out by the time he got to the dressing room door and uh, out the field so we all tugged out and out after him and there was no remarks passed to the snow it was just onwards and upwards from then on but isn't it amazing that uh, you know a team that have thrived so much to get to over that, that line and then an outside manager for want of a better word comes in it just gives you that little bit is it a siege mentality among that them closely that close the community? Right, this guy has been brought in, but we'll show him that we're able to do this job. Ah, yeah, and you don't, you don't, you know, when there's an outside uh, guy in, or you know, you don't want to let yourself down, and and you know, when if that mentality goes through the whole team, it's a, it's a great thing, and that's probably what happened. You know, John, you know, when he spoke, everybody listened, and and you know, he was just a hurling man through and through, and and. Um, you know, we couldn't fought him because a lot of the evenings he did the ses- he did the session with us, or he was still training with Laura himself and and playing championship hurling at the time himself. So, you know, he didn't ask us to do anything he wasn't doing himself, which was a great thing for us. You know, it drove us on. Is, is that something I suppose you putting on your players' hat here, and you look at a guy, this guy is also playing as well as coaching us. So you you're leveling with the guy that. As you say, he's putting in the same effort in his own situation as what he wants you to do, and it just that maybe it adds that little bit more to to your own, I suppose, dedication in a way that a man is juggling two two hats really, a management side of things while still keeping his playing career going. Oh yeah, definitely, you know, and and um, John at the time like was, <clears throat> you know, he was very fit. He was a very fit man, and and probably should have been playing with Tipperary all the time, but. Um, I suppose we were lucky that he wasn't because it meant he had more time to spend with us and um, uh, Laura I think got to a county semi-final in 89 as well I think they were beaten in a county semi-final that year and and I suppose we gave him the lift in when we went on and won the county final and you know he's in his first year involved with us and that drive was was you know we beat an Athenry team in that final over in Lochray a very wet day and Athenry were um, narrowed, narrowly defeated in the All-Ireland club final the year before or earlier on that year so you know it was a great boost for the club that time in 89 that one you know 80 was, was brilliant but we kind of moved on and it was a whole bare Michael Mulcairns it was a whole different team you could say and 89 was a breakthrough I suppose that we you know we yearned for and, and when it came it, 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 it was good and good for the whole area Young enough to uh, remember 1980 and all that and try and build because again going back to the point we're making is that you don't want to settle with one and all that and you went on then to do historic things John McIntyre was there for your breakthrough you mentioned Michael Keneally there as well and all of a sudden you're up regular again competing for the county title and then sure pastors beyond that as well 
Yeah, sure, look, at it, it was brilliant, like, 1993 90, and 94, I suppose, the two All-Irelands, they were, they were just savage times. They were, it was kind of a dream, and, you'd, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you were saying, this is never going to end, but realistically, it always has to end. But, but you know, there were great times, and we enjoyed them, and, you know, we had two great holidays out of it. You know, we, it, it, there was such a bond among all them players, that, that panel, that time. It was amazing, and I think... You know, down to Mike Keneally, Michael Murray, and Michael Mulcairns again. You know, they were guys again that had done it all, and you know, trained. They they had played in 1980. They had their county medals, and fair play. To, you know, it's great to see lads like that coming back in, getting involved in the club, and driving it on again. And and that's what they did in you know in the early 90s and and right up into 96, 97. You know, and and them county finals. You 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 know, you'd be kind of saying, ah, this is going to go on forever, but it didn't. <laughs> But Mike Keneally, you mentioned, and you you speak often in this job that we do, and you'd be talking to people in all walks of life, and they'd start talking about managers and all that. And he's a name, Mike Keneally, that comes off people's tongue quite regularly. As a wonderful manager, a wonderful man-manager. Like, we're looking at a man who broke the mould, really. Wasn't he man of the match in, in All-Ireland Final? 1980, you know, yeah. You know, I think goalkeeper to get man of the match. It wasn't heard of, but... He made some marvellous saves and that, but he also came from an era that knew the hard times at inter-county level. You know, getting there and everybody expecting Galway. One remembers when Galway were able to, to dethrone a three-in-a-row, four-in-a-row chasing car team. T- times like that, that inter-county set-up was littered with great moral victories, but to get over that line and win that All-Ireland was phenomenal for him, and it's something I think he probably brought to his management style as well or man- management the way he managed teams oh he did and 1980 was a, br- was a brilliant year for our club as well like you know um, mm-hmm. like having Mike big Mike and goals Jimmy Cooney cornerback we also had Mike and Mulcairns and, and um, Matty Keneally involved in that panel you know and then to go on as early as the 10th of August in, in 1980 and win a county final the first one ever you know it was it was just a, a dream year I suppose of, for the, the club in the middle of the hurling season inter-county season yeah what, what would you think now if someone told us we are going to have a county final that early well I suppose they'd laugh at you now anyway <laughs> you're listening to Over the Line on Galway Bay FM the sporting sound of Galway and you're very welcome back to Over the Line here on Monday evening myself George McDonough and Darren Kelly it's now 2-1 to West Ham Jared Bone with both goals Neil Mope has replied for Brentford it's now two goals to one there in the London Stadium and thanks to Patrick O'Regan who's in London and got in touch with us and told George McDonough to take his one-eyed glasses uh, Manchester United glasses off and give Liverpool credit we will always give a team that wins a cup credit but it's only when they go over the top and you swear no one ever won it that we kind of like to level the playing field but at least you didn't mention my name anyway you are wearing glasses sorry Darren we mentioned Tony, we brought us up to the great All-Ireland club successes for Sarsfield as well, but coming towards that time, was that when you decided to move into management before, and where was your first venture into management? My first venture into management was in 92 and it kind of happened, I suppose the late Frank Costello and Mary across the road from us um, they were they were kind of founder members of the club with with um, Mick Nocton, Pauline Kelly, you know people like that um, that that started Camogie in Sarsfields back. I'd say I, I I'm not sure the year they started, but um, ninety two that we were intermediate and 
Frank asked me to get involved with the club and that was kind of my first with Tom McLaughlin and Mick Nocton were my two selectors or Tom was manager I was trainer and Mick Nocton was selector with us that time and that was back in 92 and uh, we, we, we we got up senior that year but uh, we probably weren't ready for senior camogie at the time I think we came well, back down a few Was years management ago. something you had been thinking about beforehand Tony or was it as you said uh, did it just kind of happen like that? It, it happened like that and then um, Frank brought me into a, a county board meeting one night uh, in 93 I didn't know what I was being brought for but <laughs> I came home being a selector with Cerdle Farrell for the 93 um, All-Ireland series with, with Galway in Camogie so Cerdle Farrell I think Frank Kearney if memory serves me You're right coerced is that the word we well use? coerced or, or kind of you know when you go to your first county board meeting and, and not used to them and end up as a selector with a, the county senior team you're afraid to say anything before you know what you're nominated. yeah <laughs> that's it yeah. and like that was a time as well when the All-Ireland Camogie series is not how we know it now no it was 12 it was 12 aside that time yeah. and, and um you know, Rayfields were flying at that time. They were winning. They were winning uh, college all Irelands like, and and uh, you know, we we probably thought in '93 we had a team that were capable of of going on a win in all Ireland. But um, Cork were were a serious side at the time, and and we got to the all Ireland in '93, and Cork I think turned us over. I think nine or ten points for a finish on the day. But you know, it was an experience for me getting to Crow Park as a, as as a selector, and sort of left the the management job the following year, and. I stepped in, foolishly or wisely, I don't know, but I stepped in in 93 as, as um, manager of both the senior and the junior. Um, or in 94, we won a junior uh, All-Ireland in 94. We beat Eamon Cregan's Limerick in, in Crow Park. Um, we weren't successful really in the championship with the seniors in 94, but the league in 94 was run on a trial basis on a 15 aside. And um, it, it was something I think was should have been held from then on, but it wasn't. But in '94 we won the first ever uh, senior competition that the Galway Senior Camogies won. In '94 we won the league, which was played in 15 aside. We had Cork in the semi-final and Tipperary in the final, and the final was played down in Banasloe in '94. And that was the first. I remember Dimna Hardiman; she was chairperson at the time, coming up to me after the game and saying, "That's the first um, senior trophy that Galway have ever won." And you know it was it was nice to be involved in that. Then in '95 um, we were beaten in the All Ireland semi final by Kilkenny. Uh, the juniors '95 uh, and was it '95 or '94? The juniors we went to London and 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 um, that was the year Anne Kearney wanted to pull out the juniors. That was a, a great saying at the time. No disrespect to Anne, she did an awful lot for Camogie, yeah, wonderful lady, but. Um, the juniors won the All-Ireland and I suppose we were all on to 96 which was a kind of a, a so, so much different to nowadays like but um, 96 was, was just amazing like we had um, j- you know to, to, to beat Cork in that All-Ireland final 4-8 to, was it 4-8 to 115 But you must have known Tony when you did 
take the role as manager yourself after 93 because I think that was our first All-Ireland senior final in about 30 years or something like that. I stand to be corrected on that. Yeah. But you had the junior players coming through. You won a 15-a-side competition after coming in there as well. So you know you have um, strength, strength and depth, especially for a 12-a-side game as well. And with the Raphael's players com- coming through as well, the age profile would be right. And you'd one or two legends on top of that. That you must have felt yourself when you did get involved with these uh, players that she could really achieve something, even if it did take four seasons to get there. Ah, yeah. Look, at it. we knew we had the players, like when you talk about the Sharon Glins, the Denise Gilligans, Pam Nevins, Olive Costello, you know, like Veronica Curtin, we had, we had serious players. It was just getting the belief, you know, getting that belief that we were good enough and, and were capable of winning in All-Ireland. And, you know, once they got that belief and, and you know, that second half that day was, was just a dream. It was it just it was like something that just unfolded and happened. It was like a, a fairy tale you'd write and, and it, it was amazing. Do you think, let's say, and, you know, we look back, and I don't want to keep reference hurling, we look back at the 75 league winning team. That, in, the, in essence, was the grounding, we'd say, for the 80 All-Ireland senior hurling success. Do you feel that was something similar? with that National League success, albeit, as you said, it was a 50 to side, but that just gave these girls, this is a belief that, okay, we've knocked on the door, but now we've actually won something. And it was kind of a halfway house in the league since, right, we've won the league, but the championship, now we are good enough to win the championship. Oh, you're right, because, it, you know, we built on that and it made, it made our job, like the late Johnny Kane and, and Madge Kennedy were the selectors at the time, and, you know, it made our job easy from 94 because everybody wanted to be involved you know we had won something everybody wanted to be involved and push this thing on and and that's exactly what happened in in 96 you know the the you know um th- that drive was there and that want that you know we weren't just going to be happy with winning the league we want the big one and 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 that was the push all along and the funny thing about it in that league final in 96 cork beat us 15 points down in in parky rin and uh, it's often said to me since, but I said in the dressing room afterwards that th- this is the best thing that ever happened is because we were going to turn this around and beat them in the All-Ireland final. Was that the stick you needed? I don't mean it physically. Was that the stick maybe you needed to not beat the players, but slamp on the dressing room table? Right. We have a f- National League in our bag. We're now after realising there's more needed for a championship and this actually could be a blessing in disguise that defeat it gave them some sort of a want to turn it around oh exactly yeah and the, and that 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 league final really hurt you know and they bottled that hurt and brought it brought it through into the championship and it, it was a stick I suppose that we did use and, and we used that game an awful lot in that year like I think I've written down somewhere I think it's 64 training sessions we did that year and they were all done in the small side pitch in, in Lockray you know pitches were were or scarce and, yeah. and I suppose Camogie wasn't looked on as a as a, as and it facilities. is as it is now and you know facilities we have even taken that point as well Tony and of course that argument's going out there the whole time and rightfully the players are getting more opportunity to have access to grounds and it's done very well in Galway but like that must have been frustrating too for yourself because you're trying to prepare a team to uh, achieve their potential win in All-Ireland and even for me who's covered Kamoki so long I wouldn't realise exactly what it was like in the 90s where you, you, you train for National League for an All-Ireland without having a full pitch Oh we did yeah we did and and like you know you talk nowadays you have you have S&C you have uh, dietitians like our dietitian that time was down to Tony's Tavern to, to Jerry Kendon and Margaret Dolan and ham sandwiches and 
when we got to the semi-final and final like uh, the likes of Parik Lucknan used to give us a few stakes and that type of thing and there were, everything was in Tony's Tavern you could say Maggie was our our, um, our um, dietitian you know but I suppose the thing that stood to us every was county stale, was doing the same it was the same and it was the community effort and it was the fact that there was the appreciation of what the people were doing that for instance Parik Lucknan a man I would know well his little input into that yeah. that was still the siege mentality worked in the way look this is what we have to do everybody's on board here we cannot let the people down and in, in a way it's an incentive for the players themselves when they see so many people doing that little 5% behind the scenes to ensure that they can give 100 on the field oh yeah and so many people rode in that time like helping you know fundraising and fundraising was hard back then you know especially for the camogie like you know uh, because there was you know, you you know yourselves with fundraising. You're going to the same people every time, and mm-hmm. and and they're amazing. They're brilliant. Like uh, I, I think it was uh, Kieran Kelly was our sponsor in in '96. I'm nearly sure. Then Sasha and Galway here came on board, and then uh, Pat and Nona McDonough came in with Supermax. And you know, like when they came in, it was it was like. You know, it was just amazing. I remember after after they coming in, we were in Lockray one day, and the. As the big CIE bus pulled in to bring us to a match and it was like they were like a bunch of kids getting ice creams like you know just to see this bus this top of the range bus coming in to bring Galway Camogie to a match like you know it was a it was a big deal and you know it was it was coming out of that what I do call the ham sandwich days and coming into where we are now or that slow graduation up to where we are now because and and it's only right that, that Camogie players are treated the way they are today. They of course. they train just as hard. The 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 commitment, like in '96, Louise Curry and Olivia Broderick, like uh, drove from Dublin for training every evening. And I used and to they had to go back and go back. And when they got to Lucan, they still had another hour to go where they were where they were living. And like that Different commitment, that drive, you know, was 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 there, and that want, and that I suppose all came from the '94 success of the league, and that's what drove it on. And you know, the the commitment, and like in later years, you had the Brenda Hannies driving, you know, you had long distances, the want was there, and it, you know, it was just a matter of bringing it all together, really. And and the day itself, the day itself, Tony, in '96. '96, yeah. You know, it, there was no probably going up the day before. Yeah, we did actually in '96. We went up the night before. We stayed in. Actually, we were just. It was the same. Shortly after Veronica Gearden being shot, we stayed out in Newlands Cross. We were very near the the. I can't think of the name of the hotel now. Mike Kennedy uh, was was chairman at the time. Uh, Carmel Gilligan was secretary, and Martina Uniac was was um, treasurer. You know, and and like it was a big ask for them to to, to get yep. get us into a hotel in 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 Dublin the night before in All Ireland, and we actually went out to Shelburne Park the night before. <laughs> the dogs <laughs> out to the dogs. The 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 derby was on the That's night right. before it, and uh, we had a great night out there. Like, and it was but it took your your mind off things. Yeah, uh, it did. Yeah, yeah. I remember being there in two thousand and twelve, I think, and it was a lot of ex Galway players that were there on the night. It just came along and like yeah. The car, t- tradition when when we think of car curling teams, they always went to Shelburne Park the night before an Ireland final. Yeah, yeah. It was just the way, but it was lovely. But as you said, it was a lot of it. There was a lot of work to get. Oh, there was a lot to get lot. even that yeah. night away, just to preparation wise. Yeah. The day then, getting to Crow Park, I suppose. 
The big lift we got that day when we get into Crow Park, Roscommon were playing in the Junior All-Ireland and I remember our girls, we were walking at the back of the goals going over to the to the dressing room to the, I forget, was it the Hogan stand side or the Cusick stand side we were but um, walking over to the dressing rooms and the Roscommon supporters started cheering us and I remember turning to the girls and I said, that's for ye. And you know, it was a lift, it was a lift going in and another big lift we got that day was uh, at half time um, Anya Durham was the referee and she came up to me on my way in and she said actually you're only three points down the scoreboard was wrong the scoreboard had his four down and uh-huh. that was something we used in the dressing room again it was another lift you know for us and, and you know it's, it's little things that add up and and, and th- that brought that around that day and our second half performance that day was second to none really but like the end of that game and we talk about we've seen counties winning for the first time and mostly in football you'd see it in teams of the north but for Galway to win in All-Ireland for the first time would I be right in saying your own first thoughts were to the people on the field to play what they had done for their county yeah and it was a time where the the crowd used to come onto the field as well so actually you know you didn't actually get to see the players until you got back to the dressing room and and, and uh, <coughs> that evening the the staff in Crow Park had all the lights off and when we got back there was no showers you know it was, they just wanted us out of there fast and it was you know it was nearly it was nearly the following year before you got them all together again to, you know, to nearly even talk about it because we were whisked away and, and we were back to the hotel and there was a function that night and the middle presentation was on the Monday afternoon and you know it was all kind of done compacting together and it was all done and, and, and dusted in the space of 12 hours, you could say. But, um, you know, I'll always think of it. The bus, uh, Joe Kelly was our bus driver at the time, Joe from, from Clarendon Bridge. And um, when we got back to the bus, he had Tina Turner banging out on the bus. And, you know, they're, they're the little things you think of. And, and the Sarsfields under 10s were on a bus and they waited and asked us to come on with the cup. You know, they're the little things you think of. Jodley McGrath was, was with the under 10s in Sarsfields at the time. And, and you, you know, were all the time thinking, what? this team have now achieved what no other Galway team has done yeah ever that yeah and straight away they were now inspiring what probably some of that team what happened a number of years later yeah you know it's amazing how you remember things like that and the fact that you were involved with both teams but it's amazing that a little thing like going onto a bus with a cup makes those under 10s feel so important oh it did and 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 they often talk about it since and Another great thing for me that day personally was was um, my whole my all my family when we got to the head of Jones's Road up outside Quinns, they were all there waiting for us, you know. And and family is is very important in 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 all of this. Like and Darren had know Anne well, and Anne has always made it very easy for me to go training and and you know. And gear is always washed you know gear is always polished. washed and, and like we have six kids of our own like and they were young that time and mm-hmm. you know it was never an issue it was never where are you going this evening it was just you know what time are you going and, and it was never a question about what time you got but back even but even as you say that and I know Anne very very well and your whole family too are always wonderful but you're a real sporting family as well I don't know if we get time to talk about Nawaz was that a road in quickly because like Kevin's out coaching Alan's playing Laura's captain of the club now Kira's like the, probably the busiest person in the club the amount of work she does as well 
and of course Anne's always out there with the camera as well or out to watch the games as well like again going back to what we're saying here Ron it's real sporting parish but you are a real sporting family oh yeah look definitely there's a, there's a story I told um, I did an interview for, for um, Limerick FM or Limerick Radio one time and, and it was done on a Saturday morning and that particular Saturday morning was I was down in the conservatory I was getting ready to go we were playing I was with Dune at the time we were playing Kilmallock in a county semi-final Alan was sitting at the counter and they were playing Capitagal and Laura's boyfriend Declan Cronin was also at the counter and he was playing for Capitagal Kevin oh was God. getting ready to go coach Ahaskra and Laura and and Kira were getting ready to play a county semi-final in Camogie so that, you know you that, that's the house that we live in and, and we'd be lost without it you know we'd be lost without sport that's like cool. I remember so many times Anne saying during Covid like if I have to do another Sunday without a match you know and that's just, just the way we, and that's the way we were brought up it makes us appreciate that a little bit, bit more as well because when we didn't have it, we got to realise like you know that it's that it is there and it's just great to get back at it regardless of whether people manage and playing whatever the case may be. We're back to that sense of normality that probably many people would have taken for granted before COVID came in. Oh yeah, look at it. it's it's um, sport. Sport is just amazing, and the GEA and hurling and camogie especially are, you know, they're part of our house. Like if you didn't trip over a hurling our house, you'd be you'd be lucky, you know. You're listening to Over the Line on Galway Bay FM, the sporting sound of Galway. And you're very welcome back to the final instalment in the first hour of Over the Line with myself, George McDonough, and Darren Kelly, where our special guest this evening is two-time All-Ireland winning coach for the Galway team, and among many other teams, Tony Ward. And Tony, we spoke there about the elation of the first All-Ireland. There's a fair old gap then. You obviously were still involved in coaching. And what brought her out... I would say the return, but the second coming of Tony Ward as the Galway coach uh, and manager. Mac, as it was, Geraldine McGrath played a big role in it at that time. You know, she she um, she asked me would I be interested, and I kind of you know I thought about it for a while, and then I said, sure, look, it it was something I always meant to do, get back to it. But the years had kind of gone on. I was involved with Sarsfields in between Sarsfields junior teams and Sarsfields senior team, and. You know, it's something I wanted to do again, and I got back involved in, in 2012. We had um, Sharon Lynn, uh, James McGrath, Dickie Walsh, and myself. And um, you know, it, it it was a it was a good year, really. You know, we got we we got to the All Ireland semi final. Cork put one over us down in Kilkenny. But um, you know, it 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 was kind of unfinished business if you know what I mean in, in 2012 and we just wanted to get back in again the following year and and did you find at that county level as well there was a massive change from the first All-Ireland the preparation wise did you find even at the 2012 which was what 16 years later there was a huge changes in oh, the preparation but you still had some players because you were there a few years after 96 yep. before That's going right. away so you still had a few players that were in the panel then yeah. and obviously Trace Maher is the standout name of all them too uh, that you would have worked with before but I think as George is alluding to there was a different generation these were now the children we were talking about who had marched in 96 were now the leading roles in 2012 going into 2013 yeah well I suppose the perfect example is you, you just mentioned her there Trace Maher was, was a child in, in when I left in, in 98 and I suppose she was the queen in 2012 when I came the back. You know, she, was, she was the leader, you know. So 
you know, that was the change. That was one major change. And the whole preparation all had changed. Like in when we turned around into thir- 2013, we had the intermediate team and the senior team. Like we had yes. 58 girls of a panel. You know, Liam Hodgins, Orla Watson and Dickie Walsh, you know, were, were the management team that time. And, you know, it was a, it was a big Peter Fahey was, was on stats. You know, the whole thing had changed around there was diets there was the ham sandwiches were gone anyway the ham sandwiches were gone there was there was bonding weekends away you know there was it, it all had changed so much and it was a change that was well entitled for 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 camogie players you know like the commitment again was huge you know the training they did under haji that time like was 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 hard going but then the other big change for me was we were getting into the main pitches. We were getting into the pitch and the main pitch in Lockray. Climber Daly were good to us with their pitch. Clare and Bridge, you know, um, Mullia, all these, all these grounds, air court. There was, was no side pitches anymore. We were in the main pitch. And, and, and did you find that you, I won't say matured, but you developed yourself as a manager as well, that you had gone full circle because you had to? Oh, you had to, to yeah. And look at every day, even... even even at the minute, every day you go out and you're learning. You know, you're learning something new. But as I'll, I'll refer back to it again, Mike Keneally was a guy that I, I kind of, you know, worked on or worked off, if you know what I mean. And he was never one of those lads for, you know, pulling a person, uh, you know, in front of a group and, 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 you know, giving off to them or telling them. Like, and I'd be the same, like I'd always do it personally or, or if I had to, you know, even, even, um, Okay, it wouldn't have to be done at club level, but at county level, I I never let a person go off a panel without you know with a text message or a phone. I always face them and talk to them. It's a case of what you're saying with Mike is what the biggest thing he instilled in maybe is his man management skills. Exactly, yeah, he was, and even to this day, like the the, the respect you know is still there for him. You know, he's 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 just a special person, like, mm. and and he's a guy that, as I keep saying, that I model my management on. You mentioned there about having a panel of 58 players and of course it's all changed now from 1996 where, dare I say, we're trying to keep the show on the road in one way so you're building up Camogie and building up people's perception of Camogie but now we're dealing with a full professional setup, managing two teams and of course I know the intermediates came very close to winning All-Ireland the previous year but the two teams make it to Crow Park for All-Ireland final day and I'd say the logistics of planning that out for the day let alone trying to win two All-Irelands was massive. It was, and and we spent a lot of time. The four of us, like um, our conservatory, like was turned into a, a a meeting room at that stage. And I was there once or twice. Yeah, and <laughs> and you know it was it was, you know we went through everything. Uh, Liam was was meticulous in in his approach. Like the night we did out the, the um, itinerary for for the day, like we even rang bus here and just to see you know the time where the bus would be and what and. You know, we had, to, we had to get two buses. The inter, the seniors like didn't need to be in Crow Park as early as the, inter, uh, the intermediate team. Yes. So we the management travelled with the um, intermediate team up in the morning, and uh, Frank Duan and Mickey I think stayed with the um, with the senior team and organised them and got them to to Crow Park. And uh, there's a funny story told in that as well. The, that morning, I I very meticulous in loading mm-hmm. the care, getting everything into the care, and and I kind of don't like anybody helping me. I just like to do it myself. But when I got to Lockray, there was about ten people helping me. So I was on the bus. I think we we're coming up near the um, Apple Green, and I said, oh "God, the Schlitters are at home." I'll never forget it. Mm-hmm. And um, Joe Kelly 
was collecting his daughter Ruth, who's now Kevin's partner, uh, from Shannon. And we rang Joe, and not alone had I left the slithers in the boot, I'd left the keys in the car and the boot open outside the hotel, outside the hotel in Lockray. So Joe picked them up, and uh, I rang um, Michael McGrath on my way up, and he had some slithers in his car, and I also rang Lizzie Flynn. And she got me a dozen out of the storeroom in Crow Park. So, you know, it was a bit like the jerseys with Panda Slow the year before. But it was, you know, it was just something that, that you know, it all happened. And, and another good thing, I suppose, that morning on the way up in the senior bus, Ailish O'Reilly wasn't feeling well. And she, she um, actually nearly felt like turning home from Apple Green. She was so sick. And if we had been on the bus, we might have considered... You were saying that maybe right, maybe yeah. not starting or you know, yeah. and it turned around. She got the goal, the, the all important goal in the That's final brilliant. for us. You know, so you know it's the little things. It's, it's it's as Liam Griffin says, it's the thousand little things that all come together that make the. Nobody from Galway had stood up at the Hogan stand in 15 years before Sinead Keane did after the intermediates. But of course, for yourself and Liam and Orland Decky, you need to bring yourselves back down straight away because the emotion will be there for the intermediates win, but then you need to refocus because there's a big job to do with the seniors. Yeah, it was a buzz. You know, the intermediates had won, like, because Joe Quaid was over Limerick at the time, like, and they were they, uh, they were favourites going into that game. And, and, like, the intermediates were after winning. I remember Orla Watson catching me on the, the tunnel on the way down. You know, we need to ourselves together now and we have another team to get out there and uh, we did and when I got to the dressing room they were doing their stretching inside in the in the in the room beside the dressing room you know the warm-up area there beside the dressing room and not one of them asked how the intermediate game went they were so focused on their own game and a big drive for us again that year is is uh, we played Kilkenny in the first round of the championship down Nathan Rye and we failed to score in the first half with a terrible day against them and I think that was a drive that you know that we brought to that final with us, and Kilkenny were favourites going into that final. But um, you know the rest is, is history. Like you know we 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 once we settled into that game, once Emer um, Haverty got the first point from play, I think I don't know. We just had I have feeling. I remember David Burke saying it years later at a function over in Lockray how cool I was on the line that day. But I I don't know what it was, but I just kind of felt. Everything was happening the right way for us at the day. I suppose the, the kerfuffle with the Schlitters and the car being left open, whatever, probably yeah. took your mind away from worrying yeah, yeah. On, on the task at hand. But it also, in a way, may have relaxed you. And you might have said to yourself, right, look, all that needs to go wrong now has gone wrong. And then for the intermediates to win, yes, it's all about developing these intermediates, but for them to win and knowing that they're doing the same preparation the same work as what's to come in the senior game it has to be and maybe would it be that those girls warming up had a sixth sense they knew by your reaction there's no need to ask these 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 ladies have done their, their job yes I suppose it's it's possible but there was such a close bond between all them all them women like you know now okay from once we got to the semi-final stage what the way we used to do the training was we'd do the the first hour was the intermediate training and the second hour was the seniors training and um, in the same pitch like we used to do it the same pitch but um, that was the first time we kind of had broke them up from training together which which really logistically we had to with 58 with 58 players like now there was a crossover some of the girls were, were the game changers on the senior team that were playing on the yeah they had to like Orla McGrath played yeah. in two All-Irelands the one day which wouldn't be allowed it's probably today 
I don't know if it would be allowed or not, but she did it anyway. <laughs> I think you can. Orla Cotter and Orla McGrath are the two. Like, that's that like. just, just shows you commitment. Like people say, well, you know, that is it. Like, it's not, it's just, you have to do it. That's it. You Which had seven panels between the two, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like the other thing, Siobhan McGrath and um, our own Laura were, were the water girls that time. Now Nowadays they have to be over 18 to do, you know, they were the water girls and like but Laura's. You know, Siobhan, you know what she yes. has done with Camogie since, like. And but Laura, but like, that just shows you, I suppose, I don't say bond, but it's this drive among people that, you know, water carriers then you say they're not, they wouldn't be allowed to do it now, they'd have to be over 18, but doesn't it give them, it's great to see them now starting in an, at an adult level after being virtually involved, let's say, for so long, and, and, and along with special days as well. Ah, but Siobhan, like Siobhan, you know, she was so clued in that time. Both of them, like Laura and Siobhan, like they were so clued in. But there was a, a funny incident coming into the last ten minutes of the game. Um, we lost Molly Dunn early on in the game that day, and um, Noreen Cohn came on in the forwards, and we brought Anne Marie Hayes out to the middle of the field. And late on in the game, I I said to Siobhan, when you're going out for a drink again, will you just tell um, Anne Marie Hayes to try and shove up on Anne Dalton? You know, as much as you know as much as she could so Siobhan came back anyway she was standing to my left I didn't spot her for a few minutes but she was standing you know extra mm-hmm. close to my left and, and uh, so I just looked down at her and I said um, are you okay or what did she say to you she said tell him I'm effing trying <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that engagement <laughs> beautiful beautiful so the, to me and to a lot more we're watching on the iconic memory of that was Matter on the her knees, hmm. and when I, I know you treat every player equally, but I would think to see that photograph, it was. I would honestly think it would make you and your fellow selectors immensely proud to see what a victory meant to somebody. Yeah, well, to see Trey's that day, like the tears, even the other yeah. tears, like there was so much emotion going through Trey's that day, her mom or dad, you know, what she had been through, the amount of All Ireland's that she had finished on the on the wrong side of, like, and you know, it kind of, I think it kind of took her a while to believe it actually had happened for, her, you know, and for a lot of them players, you know, the Brenda Hennies, Anne Marie Hayes, you know, Lorraine Ryan, you know, they'd been through the mill, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it, Crow Park is an awful lonesome place the day you lose. Yeah brilliant place the day you win but the day you lose it's it's a terrible spot to be and and like them girls had been there you know a lot of times and and you know but I, I think again 2013 we didn't realize what we were after achieving i'd say until you know maybe two weeks after it you know two all irelands the no one day. day you know we kind of brushed it off as the week was manic like, it, it was it was mm-hmm. manic yeah and you know you'd, you'd have i remember when the final whistle went the first thought i had was you know and and you know, you, you're kind of just standing there, and you're kind of saying, "God, if if Mammy and Daddy were here, wouldn't this be great?" You know, yeah. you know. The, again, you it go is. back to the family, yeah. like, yes, and, and I remember meeting Willie, my brother, in the hotel, and the first thing when he put his hands around me, the first thing he said is, "Isn't it an awful saying Mammy and Dad aren't here?" You know, it's it's it you know, is, it's that a, again emotional time. And yeah, yeah. You know, you just it's it it brings out emotion in a lot of people. You know, victory, and 
as you you know, Darren, you were with us for the week, like and going around to the different clubs and the reception we got. Like I'll never forget the reception we got in Banisloe and Lockery that night when we oh. came back and moved on to to. I think that's when the reality kicked in with the players because there was a stop in Korea beforehand and we'd done the walk of the Shannon but when we turned into the square and the crowd was there and I think that's when the majority of players and probably the majority of yourselves it all just hit home the first time they kind of oh my this is what just happened like you know yeah that and and like you had the young fellas looking for for these girls autographs like these girls were up on a pedestal now you know they were they were they had all Ireland middles and and everybody wanted to talk to them you know and it was it, it was it was just it, look at it was a a time that I'll never forget anyway and probably it'll it'll be hard to beat it no matter what we do in the future or what we've done since but 2013 like when that final whistle went in that senior all Ireland like to you know this, we had done the two you know you'd be kind of saying to yourself going up if we bring home one of these we'll be doing mm-hmm. well but to bring home the two of them on the day was was phenomenal for us as a management and and the county board and everyone behind is like Sean Garrity like was 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 um, treasurer at that time and like the amount of work Sean has done Geraldine McGrath these people like you know an awful lot of people like the unseen work you know unseen work that like they're not seeing the day of in All Ireland or or you know and and it was it was just amazing we're coming towards the end of our hour and we do have sources in these part of the world and we believe you're throwing your hat in with Mulya this year for the upcoming season. Yeah, I suppose I'm going back to to Maggie Canlan again, I suppose Maggie Dolan, she, she's she's the secretary out there, she was involved with us in 96 as I said earlier on. Yeah, I'm with Mulya, I've, you know, I enjoy I'm I enjoy being involved with teams mm-hmm. and, and club teams, and it's it's nice and near us. And I feel they're a team on the way up. They like got the, a good the, bounce of winning last year. Yeah, the yeah. Cup. The the winning the B last year, and like I enjoyed my time with Doon. I enjoyed my time uh, with with uh, Kennedy and Malitram, and um, now with Mulya and hopefully. We don't throw Sarsfields in the group. <laughs> Tommy Ward will be very happy. <laughs> if, you, if you do, uh, Tony, you have plenty of inside knowledge anyways of what's going to happen. But again, it's the Hurling Championship. It's something we got to look forward to later in, in the year. I don't know, with the split season, they're still around, so we got to look forward to this. But uh, you'll look forward to it, I think, with relish with Mulya. Ah, yeah, I will, yeah. The fact that Kevin is involved with Sarsfields now, I suppose, makes it a bit sweeter if we do draw them, you know, but... Um, so you know, whatever whatever it'll be, it'll be. You just when you you know when you're with a club, you have to give them everything. And and but as I said in the beginning, Sarsfields will always be the be my club. It certainly will. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you this evening, Tony. Thank you very much for joining us. You've enjoyed a wonderful career. It ain't over yet, but I know that the girls listening and all those who are involved in those two Camogie uh, All Ireland successes will certainly be in your debt. And I think Galway Camogie and Galway Sport is in your debt. So thank you very much. Thanks, lads. Thanks a million. You're listening to Over the Line on Galway Bay FM, the sporting sound of Galway.